Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast hosted by nutritional coach Jessica Tai, where we are dedicated to promoting health and overall well-being through nutrition, specifically the ketogenic diet. We will provide you with all the latest science in nutrition, interviews with experts in the health and wellness field, and answer all your burning questions so you can find optimal health. This podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and is to be used for informational purposes only. Please contact your doctor with any and all medical questions. Now here's Jessica. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 75 of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. This is your host, Jessica Tai, nutritional therapy practitioner, joining you again this week solo. So um, I'm going to answer a couple of listener questions this week, and this is going to be a very quick episode. Um, I am actually getting prepped to leave town um, in just about a day and a half. Uh, I will be leaving for the rest of the week into next week for the Nutritional Therapy Association um, annual conference. So that is my uh, professional um, group um, designation that I am certified through as an NTP is the NTA. (laughs) So um, their annual conference is this coming weekend in Portland, Oregon. So I will be traveling to Portland. Um, Hey, if you're in Portland, please feel free to send me a message and let me know. And I would love to meet you. Um, it would be awesome. Um, meeting up obviously with some of my NTP, (laughs) um, friends there since that's, uh, that's who's going to be attending the conference. Um, so it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that. And I'm also meeting up with, uh, Jimmy and Christine Moore, um, good friends of mine as you know, if you are a listener of this show. So um, meeting up with them, and I'm actually going to be helping him out over the weekend as well, uh, running a booth that they will have at the conference for their Real Food Keto book. So I'm happy to be uh, volunteering with them and and helping them out and being able to um, just really be there for this conference and and uh for all the awesome stuff i know it's going to offer anytime i think anyone who is part of any type of professional designation you know or um you know doctors chiropractors real estate agents insurance agents it doesn't matter whatever you are um when you go to these these annual conferences or these semi-annual conferences that they have, it always, for me, it, it always is just like a real, um, kind of lights your fire again, kind of puts a sizzle back in what you're doing. And, and I always leave learning a few things that I can apply uh, to my business or to, you know, would be applicable to the way that I coach clients or some other really cool Um, thing that I could use that would really help uh, give my clients or my practice kind of an edge. And so I love that. I love being able to go and learn more about that and kind of see how other people are doing things. And then, of course, you are furthering your education because um, normally I take notes uh, like crazy so that I can try to re, you know, re, kind of recoup um, this information later because what happens is I feel like, you know, you're usually drinking from a fire hose all weekend and then you come home and if you don't have good notes, you're like, oh my goodness, there was that one part that that one person said and I can't remember what it was, but I know it was really great and I wanted to remember that. And <laughs> so I don't want it to be like that. So I will take notes 
And if there's anything that I feel like you guys would want to know about um, or that would be good to share, I will be sure to share that with you when I get back. But so that's coming up. But so I'm going to try to make this episode. Well, I'm not going to try to make it. I just have to make it kind of shorter because I don't have a lot of time. Um, got a lot of things trying to squeeze um, all my client appointments in before I leave here at the end of the week and uh, and get everybody seen before then. And so that runs me a little bit tight on time. And then of course I have five children and a husband. So when I go out of town, uh, you know, I kind of worry a little bit that everything's like going to fall apart. You know, I've got a barn full of animals to take care of and all this kind of stuff. So uh, just trying to get all of those things into place that takes some time and all of that. And then, of course, packing and getting myself ready to go, which I haven't even started. I would assume I leave early Thursday morning, but I would assume that I probably will be packing right before I go to bed on Wednesday night because that's just the way things seem to go. <laughs> um, I don't like waiting till the last minute on anything. I really like having things done ahead of time. But oh, so is the story of my life lately. I feel like everything is kind of running to the last minute. So, okay, enough about all that. So let's move on. Uh, today's questions, the two that I am going to address. Um, the first one is not a specific question that came in. Um, it's actually, well, actually both questions are not specific. <laughs> um, there, I've recently got uh, additional inquiries about these two subjects. So that is why I've decided to talk on, do a quick episode on these. But the first one we're going to talk about is bone broth. And so I get a lot of questions about bone broth and it's something that I uh, really probably not a client that I meet with ever that I don't recommend that they drink bone broth daily. And uh, there's a lot of really great reasons for that. But especially if you are keto and you're or you're going keto, starting keto, whatever, I think bone broth is even more important than um, if that's even possible, because I think it's really important for everybody. But when going keto, it can be super helpful, specifically in the electrolyte uh, area. So a lot of people you hear talk about the keto flu and those types of things. And you hear I'm talking about the electrolyte deficiencies and that um, many of you have heard and understand that the keto flu is really electrolyte deficiencies. You, um, when you drop uh, glucose, and stop ingesting glucose, I should say, uh, carbohydrates, you're going to, you're going to drop a lot of water. And that's why a lot of people will lose a bunch of weight in the beginning on keto, because a lot of that is going to be water weight. But the problem is when you drop all of that water, you're losing electrolytes in your body. And so that's the not so great part. So then the other question uh, that I want to address really quick is I don't want to assume that everybody knows what electrolytes are um, in our body and why why that even matters or how you're even supposed to get those in. So electrolytes are very, very important in our bodies. They uh, do so many different things. Uh, they are cofactors for so many different things, so many different enzymatic processes and digestion and um, just so many things that we really need to have them on board in the right quantities. And you know when you don't because you will get headaches, you will be tired, um, you would get cramps in your muscles, you know, all of those types of things that um, definitely let you know that you don't have enough electrolytes on board. <laughs> um, 
So the electrolytes are sodium, potassium, calcium, bicarbonate, magnesium, chloride, and phosphate. So um, those are your electrolytes that you need in your body in order to be able to function well. Um, specifically for the keto flu is magnesium, sodium, and potassium. Uh, those are the ones that when we lose those, we start having um, you know, lots of issues that we relate to the keto flu, like the headaches and the muscle cramps. And um, if anybody has gone through this already, maybe you've been keto for a while and you have gone through the waking up in the middle of the night with like the absolutely excruciating muscle cramps in your feet or your calves. Uh, that's kind of where I would used to get them. And um, oh my gosh, it's like the worst cramping ever, 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 ever. <laughs> um, just really bad. So um, I definitely went through that trying to figure out um, how to how to you know do that and keep uh, keep myself on track and not let that happen. Um, but bone broth is good for so many other amazing things. So it's um, rich in gelatin and collagen. So collagen uh, decreases as we age, just naturally. So that is kind of um, one of the reasons why we see um, skin sagging and wrinkles and things like that. So collagen keeps our joints and our ligaments, tendons, bones bones, you know, all that kind of thing. Healthy, um, definitely helps us with joint pain and, and being able to move our joints well is having the right amount of collagen. And again, as we, as we age, we lose collagen. It naturally depletes. Um, so as you get older, it's even more important to be supplementing your diet with collagen, making sure that you're getting plenty of collagen in for the bone and joint health. Um, but not just for that, but, um, you know, aesthetically pleasing too. Like I said, your skin, um, is super important for skin, nails and hair. So, um, if, you know, if you're getting, having issues with um, with thinning hair or brittle nails. Collagen is very strengthening for that. Collagen definitely helps with muscle repair as well. So if you are a very physically active person, if you're doing a lot of um, weightlifting and that type of thing, um, collagen is a must for you. It's super, super helpful for your muscle repair. Um, collagen is extremely important this time of year, specifically in the winter months, because it really helps us to fight the cold and flu um, and other infections. Collagen is um, works wonders for our immune system. It's also great for thyroid and adrenal health, so can help us um, if we are kind of battling adrenal fatigue or thyroid issues. Um, I definitely would recommend doing more than a than a mug of bone broth a day. In that case, I would drink it several times a day. Um, also reduces inflammation, um, systematic inflammation. So throughout our bodies, it will help to reduce inflammation. And since we are in heart health, health month, and I just last episode, episode 74 was about heart health. You learned in that episode that heart disease really is caused by inflammation. So um, it's a super awesome thing to do for your heart is to drink collagen every day, or I'm sorry, <laughs> bone broth every day so you can get that collagen out of there. So um, you might be listening to this and thinking, okay, this is all great. I've heard bone broth, I've heard that term, but I don't even really know what that is. Why in the world is it called bone broth? Is it the same thing as chicken broth or beef broth, beef broth or what is this? So bone broth is just kind of a generic term that encompasses 
the the broth that is made with any animal bones. So that could be fish bones, that could be beef, um, that could be uh, chicken. Um, I suppose that could be pork, although I have to say I've never had pork bone broth or made that, but um, that just kind of popped in my head just now. I thought, well, I guess there would be pork. I guess you could make pork bone broth. I don't really know. That's a, hmm, maybe I should look into that. Anyway, um, so basically what it is uh, or what it, so it is the same thing in general as chicken broth or fish broth or beef broth. Um, it means basically the same thing, but the reason it's referred to as bone broth is um, over the decades, it's become increasingly normal to just walk into a grocery store and get a carton uh, or a can of chicken broth off the store shelf. And then you bring that home and you make your stews or your soups or your glazes or gravies or whatever it is that you're going to make with this chicken broth. The problem is, is that that stuff that you get off the store shelves is not does not have the same components of bone broth. Um, you're not gonna have the collagen and gelatin in there. You're not gonna have all the vitamins and minerals and electrolytes because of the manner in which that is made. And often chicken broths that you'll find on your store shelves are not even made with animal bones. They're made with powders um, of like pulverized bones that have been heated to these ex you know extremely high heats and all these types of things. So essentially you're destroying all of the minerals and the nutrients that that you would be getting if you were making this the traditional way. So the traditional way to make bone broth is you will take the bones and you cover them in water. Um, usually people would do this on a cooktop in like a stock pot or, uh, or a pressure cooker even, or you could do it uh, in a slow cooker, uh, like, a, uh, you know, like a crock pot. So, um, and if you did it in like a slow cooker or on your stovetop or whatever, um, you would do that for about 24 to 48 hours. I think they say in general, 10 hours is the absolute minimum that you can do it to really get um, any of those minerals and, and vitamins and components kind of leaching out of the bones is essentially what you're doing. The longer you cook the bones, the more this... Um, these vitamins and minerals leach out but you can't it's they're not to be cooked high so this is cooked that's why they're done in like a stock pot on the oven for that length of time or in a slow cooker on your countertop because you want to keep them at a low heat so that you're not destroying all of those elements um, as you're making it so the way i do mine is i put uh, the bones in and you can source your bones many different ways if you go to your local butcher often it's your grocery store oftentimes they will have bones or they will keep them for you if you ask them to um, but I just asking your butcher they typically will provide you with bones um, I think that it is very important to get grass-fed bones but um, you know I feel like if you can't get grass-fed uh, or pasture raised or if um, you know organic bones or if you know be either because they're not available or it's just too expensive or whatever the case is then I think getting some bones are better than getting no bones um, but I think it is very important because those animals that are raised in feedlots 
are nutrient deficient. There are a lot of nutrients that they don't have. So you're going to be missing out on a lot of those things that normally would be in the bones and the marrow of the animal. So, um, so I do just want to say that, so I don't want to discourage you from doing it at all. Um, if that's the only way you can do it, but there are some kind of creative ways that you can get the organic and pasture raised, grass fed, all that kind of thing. There are some creative ways you can do that. And so one way that my family will do it is, um, we often will get rotisserie chickens and we buy the organic rotisserie chickens and most grocery stores anymore sell those. And you can usually find the organic ones at pretty much everywhere. So um, we will just save the carcass from that rotisserie chicken after we've had it for dinner one night. And I put the, the carcass, the bones, all of it. So the, this is, when I say carcass, I mean, it's not just the bones. Whatever meat is left on the bones, the, um, the joints, the cartilage, you know, all of that stuff um, goes into a freezer Ziploc bag and we put it in the freezer. And then the next time we have one, we do the same thing. So I pretty much always have a collection of, of chicken bones in my freezer. When I get a couple, so when I make bone broth, I like to take a couple of those carcasses. So usually two, and I will put two of them in a, I used to do it in the slow cooker, but I've started doing it in the instant pot, which is another incredible way to use your instant pot. Um, I've started doing it there, but I'll put two carcasses in the instant pot and I usually will add a couple of chicken feet. So you can get chicken feet numerous different places. Again, your butcher, um, your, if you have a farmer's market that you're able to go to, um, you can ask the farmers that are selling meat there if they would provide you with chicken feet and or the bones. And most of them are happy to do that um, for you if they are you know, selling different uh, parts of the bird and they're, you know, not specifically, um, using some of those things. They, most of the time, they're very happy to bring those to you, um, and may charge you just a small fee for that. Um, but I know jungle gems is a rest, um, a grocery store here in our area in Cincinnati. And I don't know if there, are, if there's other jungle gems, but I know jungle gems sells chicken feet, and I'm sure that you can find them at many other different specialty grocery stores and things. So the chicken feet um, just really add the to the collagen and gelatin uh, input that is in the bone broth. So if you can get it, it's a really great way to get a ton of that collagen into your bone broth, which is, like we said, super good for your hair, your skin, your nails, your joints, all of that stuff, your gut. It's great for your gut lining. Um, so anyway, so then you put all of that in a uh, in like an instant pot or a stock pot or whatever, and you cover that with water just over the top of the bones. And then I also add, um, I will like quarter an onion and put an onion in there. And then um, I chop up some carrots and some celery stalks. Usually I'll put some garlic in, you can put bay leaves in, you can put lemongrass, you can, I mean, really sky's the limit. You can pretty much put whatever you want in there. And I think maybe one of the most important things to do is to put in some apple cider vinegar. So the apple cider vinegar is super important to helping to break down the bones. It helps to really leach that, um, uh, really helps to leach the minerals and the collagen and everything that you need out of those, um, out of everything that that's in that pot. So, um, it just kind of what 
you know, just like kind of lets them let it go. It, it, it just enhances pulling those minerals out. So I think it's super important to put that in there. So don't forget that. I usually just add a splash. Um, I don't measure much of anything when I cook, so I just kind of splash some in there. But if I had to measure it, I would say you probably just want to add like a tablespoon would probably be plenty for one pot of bone broth. Um, and so if you're doing this in your slow cooker, you're then gonna, uh, oh, and salt and pepper. Don't forget the salt and pepper. Um, and I would salt it liberally. You'll need a lot of salt in there. Um, and then you just put your lid on. And if you're doing it in the slow cooker, you would cook it on low. And I like to do mine 24 to 48 hours in the slow cooker. Now you will, your whole house is gonna smell like chicken broth. <laughs> some people, it smells amazing. And to some people, they're like, oh my gosh, I hate that. That's the worst part about making bone broth. So figure out which person you are. And if it is something that really bothers you, you might wanna invest in an Instant Pot and make yours in the Instant Pot. Now, there's been some questions. I've had people question about, well, should I use the Instant Pot because it does it so much faster? And I thought you said heating up the bones uh, destroys the minerals. That is correct, it does. But it's important to know that an Instant Pot or a pressure cooker does not work by heat. It works from pressure. So um, in my opinion, the Instant Pot is actually the best way to get your bone broth because the pressure that it puts on those bones, um, when you cook it in the Instant Pot, you can pretty much uh, just, those bones just like disintegrate. If you take, when you take them out of the pot, if you push on them, they just fall apart. So you are really leaching all of the goodness out of the bones when you put it in the Instant Pot. So um, I love to cook mine in there and really you can do it about any length of time, I would say from two hours or more. So I'll usually cook mine in the Instant Pot somewhere between four to eight hours. Um, I really, really like to just really pressurize those bones, get everything out of them that I possibly can. And you know you've cooked it long enough. When you put them, um, I like to store mine in uh, mason jars or ball jars in the refrigerator, and I um, will usually store a few of them in there. They'll keep for about a week that way. Um, and we'll go through some of those. But then I also, um, you can also store those in the freezer. So I like to put those in the freezer as well. Now I pop mine out like a jar or two at a time and then we'll um, use those throughout the week. Um, but if you, if you have a smaller family than mine or don't use them that often, you could also put them in ice cube trays. So like the ice cube trays you can get from the store, you could um, just the really inexpensive ones, you could buy a bunch of those or you could put them into um, the uh, molds, like candy molds. Uh, I that Like I make my keto gummies in, which I also, those are electrolyte gummies, and I will put those in those molds. You could also put bone broth in those molds and freeze them that way. Um, and then what makes it nice about doing it in like an ice cube tray or something like that is if you don't have as large a family as I do and you're not using as many, then you can just pop those out individually and then you can put those into a saucepan on the oven and heat that up or into a, a mug in the microwave or however it is that you want to use it. You could just pop a couple of those ice cubes of bone broth directly into your sauteed veggies or meat or whatever you're cooking as well. So, um, so you can uh, definitely do it that way, but the way that you will know if you have uh, if you've cooked it long enough and gotten all the goodness out is when it's in the refrigerator, your bone, your bone broth should become very gelatinous. So it should 
um, you know, maybe not set up quite as much as Jell-O does. If you are familiar with making Jell-O, I think everybody probably is. It won't be quite that uh, set up, but it should be pretty gelatinous. I mean, mine will like, you know, glub, glub out of the jar when I put it into the saucepan to cook it, um, when I take it straight out of the refrigerator. Now, don't worry. Um, yes, it's gelatinous in the refrigerator, but as soon as you heat it, it will no longer be like that. It will um, be very liquidy and it'll be exactly the way you want it to be. Um, but it's just, it's that collagen and gelatin that, um, that, that is that, gives it that gelatinous um, texture. So that's how you know that you got all of that out of there. Um, so that's how you do it. So it's really that simple. And so let's talk about the minerals and um, some of the, just some of the, some of the amazing stuff that is in um, bone broth and why it's so important. So we talked about the collagen. We um, talked about there, you have all these amazing electrolytes in there, all these minerals that you need, which is super, super good when you're keto. So when you're first transitioning to a keto diet, this would be a really good way for you to, uh, to keep your electrolytes replenished and um, not go through the whole keto flu thing. Um, so you also have um, amazing amino acids in here that are that are absorbed very readily by your body, which is a great way. And amino acids are, are what your body breaks protein down into so that it can use it. Um, our bodies need to break it down to use the amino acids. So um, when we are eating protein, like if we're eating a muscle meat or whatever, um, that's fine, that's great, but oftentimes our digestion is just not able to break those things down as well as we should. Protein specifically, um, the majority of protein is broken down in our stomachs. So if um, if you are one of the, like, I don't remember now off the top of my head, the latest statistic, I think it's like 80 or 90% of people in the United States are deficient in hydrochloric acid production. Um, that is your stomach acid. So if you're deficient in hydrochloric acid production, you are not going to be able to properly break down protein. And um, the problem with that is then it makes it very difficult for our bodies to get all of these necessary um, and essential amino acids that we need for all these different processes in our bodies. And these amino acids like proline and glycine, they are in bone broth and they're already broken down in bone broth. So that's the beauty of it is you just drink bone broth and your body is just absorbing all of these amazing, um, uh, amino acids. Sorry, my brain. Um, my brain just, just couldn't think of it there. Okay. So collagen, we talked about that. We know that the collagen is super important. We talked about the, uh, electrolytes and, um, we let's talk about, so let's, let me get on. I'm sorry. I keep getting off track on what I want to talk about. So let's talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, the amino acid, the amino acids that are in bone broth that are so important for us. So let's talk about, let's start with choline. So, um, or I'm sorry, let's start with glycine. So we have glycine is required for production of um, glutathione. So um, glutathione is an antioxidant in our body and is so important for detoxification and so many things. And so glycine is required for that. So if we're not breaking down our protein properly, we're not getting the glycine that we need. And then our, um, 
our de detoxification, among other things, are going to be um, greatly impaired. But um, glycine is also a component of connective tissue um, collagen. So it that means it's going to play a huge role in the health of like tendons and bone, blood vessels, ligaments, cartilage, and then again, skin. So we keep coming back to this whole idea of how good it is for your skin. Um, another amino acid that is contained in bone broth is glutamine. So um, glutamine is actually the most abundant amino acid in the human body. So um, it, it's definitely something that we need to be um, taking in. <clears throat> and it is a, a, a super important fuel for our body. So <clears throat> glutamine um, fuel helps to fuel our metabolism and metabolism in many cells in our body. But um, we also <clears throat> depend on glutamine for the integrity of our gut lining. So if you've heard people talking about leaky gut, which I know I've talked about on here um, many times, and um, how that affects your health, the health of your brain, the health of your immune system, um, it, can lead to, <clears throat> it can lead to food sensitivities and reactions to different foods and issues with gluten and all of these types of things. Um, well, glutamine is one of the is one of these beautiful amino acids that, when we take this, helps to heal that gut lining and helps to um, make those tight junctions um, come back together the way they should, so that only the things that that should be coming through the vitamins and minerals that should be coming through um, that that barrier are able to go back through that barrier <clears throat> and um, kind of. Uh, fixes that permeability of the gut so that the other larger food particles that are not supposed to be getting through there won't be able to get through. So if you've um, heard of leaky gut, if you've been told you have leaky gut, if you're worried that you might have leaky gut, glutamine is your answer. You definitely wanna be um, fortifying your day with glutamine. So whether you are taking it as a supplement, um, which is fine, but I really think like the best way to absorb glutamine, the best way to get it into your gut is to drink it. So you do that through bone broth. Um, glutamine is also um, kind of along the same lines, which makes sense if it's good in helping to heal that gut lining. It is also really good at helping with inflammatory conditions. So you can just have all these different inflammations uh, or inflammation of different cells in your body, whether that um, you know is your liver, your brain, immune cells, whatever. Um, it, this can really help with the inflammation, and specifically glutamine. Um, again can really help with inflammation that would affect your heart and heart disease. So um, definitely important. This is also uh, the precursor for uh, production of glutathione. So along with glycine, you have to have glutamine for the production of glutathione. Um, another amino acid that bone broth has in it that's super important and that we need is proline. So proline plays this huge role in this um, process in our body called apoptosis. <clears throat> and apoptosis is how the body gets rid of defective or unnecessary or dying cells. So um, if you if the if there's a cell that's malignant or is you know not uh, functioning the way it should. <clears throat> 
then our body will go through this apoptosis that, that kills off the cell and gets rid of it. This is also how we, um, our body is able to get rid of potentially malignant cells. Um, and when you think malignancy, you're probably thinking cancer, and that's right. So um, super important to have this on board. Without proline, we are, um, are that mechanism, that mechanism of apoptosis in our bodies suffers, and we aren't able to do that as well. <clears throat> so proline is super um, important also for the formation of collagen and um, helps us with wound healing. So that's another um, really big deal. Um, uh, there's a lot of research that has come out uh, in the last few years about proline and its connection to having healthy skin and younger looking skin. And I can tell you that the, the difference in my skin between when I actually, you know, was eating fairly healthy, um, at least compared to the standard American diet back when I, you know, was just doing paleo or whatever. Um, but still my skin was suffering, but going from that to keep the last two plus years that I've been ketogenic and really focusing on these things like bone broth, um, being in the infrared sauna, those two things, I think bone broth and the infrared sauna, maybe three things, let's say, and cutting out all of the, the carbohydrates that cause all the inflammation. My skin is the best it's looked. It's the best that I remember it looking my entire life. Um, I'm sure probably my skin looked better at some point in my teenager years or 20s. I don't know. Um, I just remember all through my 20s, even just having issues with my skin all the time. And so, um, yes, I have some wrinkles. Yes, I have crow's feet around my eyes. Um, if you guys follow me on social media, you see those those pictures that I post um, because I don't want to like doctor all that stuff and get rid of all those. Okay, well, maybe I do want to doctor that stuff and get rid of all those, but I don't, so they're on there. Um, but I know that it is a lot better. My skin is just much more youthful than it ever has been. I feel like it's glowing most of the time. I will actually leave the house without makeup at all um, and don't feel bad about myself. And that's a huge step for me. Like I remember um, most of my life, there's no way I would do that. I always had skin blemishes and issues going on, discoloration. I still have some discoloration, but it is getting better. And, um, but yeah, so... I think that's kind of a big deal that, you know, my skin's getting <clears throat> that much better. Okay. And then we also talked about, um, the minerals, right? So, uh, or the, the electrolytes, which are included in the, the minerals, but there's also other vitamins and minerals that are in, um, bone broth that are super important, like iron and copper, um, zinc, mag, uh, These are all in bone broth that are, um, really important for our body. There's many different um, things that obviously you know we need iron for and, and zinc for and all of that type of stuff. So this is a really good way to get those vitamins and minerals without um, having to supplement. If you could just drink your bone broth every day, you're going to get a lot of the stuff that you need um, in addition to the amino acids and the electrolytes. You're going to get all these other really great things. Okay. So um, I think that's pretty much all I wanted to say about the bone broth. So hopefully that helps to kind of answer the questions about bone broth. I guess the, the last thing that I will say is for those of you that are like, okay, I know better. I'm never ever gonna actually 
make my own bone broth. So I'm not even going to sit here and pretend that I'm going to do that. Um, just tell me what to buy. Okay, fine. So for you, that's, that's great. I appreciate that you know yourself. So there are, um, there are a couple of brands that I have found in grocery stores that I like and would recommend to you. Um, and there may be others, but these are the only two that I personally think have all the components in the amounts that you should be having them in. Um, and they are both kept in the freezer section. So, um, I know my local Kroger, um, or not Kroger, I'm sorry. Um, fresh time market carries both of these. I believe whole foods carry both. Um, I also believe, uh, Walmart carries, uh, at least one of them. So I think they're pretty readily available kind of all over. And I would assume that's all over the country at this point. Um, the first one that my favorite is called Bonafide Provisions. And um, I would definitely recommend them. You guys can follow them on uh, on, fa on Instagram too. I believe it is actually um, under Bonafide Provisions. And then the... Um, the other one would be Oh So Good Bone Broth, and that's O-S-S-O, -S Good Bone Broth, um, Oh So Good. So you can, I believe you can order that online as well, but I have found in the past um, when I used to order my bone broth, like a couple of years ago, I was ordering it because you couldn't find the good stuff anywhere. And it was quite expensive to order it because they have to pack it with like dry ice and all that kind of thing because it's fresh. Um, and so you know, doesn't have preservatives or anything in it. So that always um, was expensive to order it that way. But those are the two that I would recommend. Those are the two that I think taste the best. Now, I think the absolute best tasting is homemade. Um, but if you're going to buy store-bought store, store -bought brands, I think those two brands are amazing. Okay, so um, that's all I have for the bone broth. And the only other thing that I was going to touch on during this episode is I've been getting a lot of questions about keto snacks and keto swaps. Like how do I, um, like what should I be eating if I want a snack? What do I eat if I want, um, you know, to swap something out? Like, you know, I'm coming from the standard American diet and now I'm no longer eating hamburger buns and French fries and pasta and cakes and all these kind of things. So what am I supposed to eat? Like, I don't know what to do because we used to have hamburgers and hot dogs and French fries one night a week. And then we would have, um, mashed potatoes and gravy with our meatloaf. And then we would have, um, you know, pizza and then we'd have lasagna or some other pasta dish. Like, so people are just like, I don't know what to eat. Like I literally don't know what to eat. So, um, I thought I would share some of these swaps with you guys. Um, maybe many of them are popular. If you search this stuff up online, you're going to find pretty much all of the, these things. Um, but I thought maybe it would be helpful to you to, to hear, uh, some of the ideas and, and, uh, maybe spark, you know, something that you hadn't heard before. Um, okay. So let's start with the swaps. So some easy low carb swaps. If you are, um, you know, trying to do low carb or if you're doing ketogenic, these are swaps that I give to my clients as well to help them get started. And not all of my clients are keto, um, not by a long stretch. Um, actually the majority of them are not, but, um, but all of my clients are low carb because, 
Um, I definitely believe in that as a way of eating for everyone and for optimal health for sure. It's just um, naturally when you move away from sugars and grains, you're really going to settle into a low carb space unless you're like subsisting on um, roots and tubers, which most people aren't. Um, It's kind of, you know, you start moving away from all of those, you know, grains and sugars and you're kind of left with um, mostly low carb um, options that are going to serve you really well. Okay. So um, for bread, so if you're looking to make sandwiches, uh, you know, maybe you're normally <clears throat> for lunch, you're eating lunch meat sandwiches or, um, or hamburgers or whatever, then I would say just the best thing to do is swap that for lettuce wraps. I love a good um, lunch meat sandwich in a lettuce wrap with some uh, primal kitchen mayo on there and some um, tomatoes and you know, maybe some sprouts. I mean, oh my gosh, that is like hands down one of my favorite lunches. I'm getting hungry even talking about this because it's like after lunchtime already, I've been fasting all all day uh, so far and um, now I'm making myself hungry. But that is really good. Another option is um, I have a recipe for a grain-free fat bread um, that I Uh, give to my clients and that is the it's called fat bread not fat head bread but fat bread it's made with macadamia nuts and um, that is the bread that they talked about in the magic pill show so I think if you just google magic pill fat bread or something like that you probably can pull up that recipe it's super good let me give you a tip because this happened to one of my clients and uh, I was so perplexed as to why this would happen and could not figure out what the problem was and I've discovered the issue so when you make your fat bread um, it'll the recipe tells you to grease your loaf pan do not grease your loaf pan with olive oil You should always be greasing um, your loaf pan with butter or ghee, um, coconut oil if you want. Um, Those are your high uh, heat cooking oils. Don't use olive oil. If you grease your pan with olive oil, your bread will turn a green hue. What it does is those macadamia nuts um, that are in there and the eggs, it's a ton of eggs and a ton of macadamia nuts, they absorb the color of the um, olives, which is green. So you're going to get this, um, not a pretty green, but kind of this uh, really crazy looking um, yucky green colored bread. So, you know, maybe you could surprise your friends with some keto, um, some, some keto, uh, St. Patty's day bread <laughs> by making, just putting olive oil all over this bread before you cook it and letting it, um, soak all of that in, or maybe just putting some, a little bit of olive oil into the recipe when you mix it up, that might also turn it green. So, um, it's kind of interesting, but um, she was just so perplexed. Why is my bread green? She's like, does it turn out green for you? I'm like, no, I've never heard of that before. That's crazy. So there's your tip for the day. Okay, for tortilla chips, um, depending on what you're eating, I would say pork rinds or veggie sticks like celery or um, radishes or cucumbers. You can slice um, some cucumber, you know, use some cucumber slices. So it depends, again, on what you're eating. You know, if you're eating like a 
um, like a buffalo cheese dip or something. Celery is super yummy or broccoli is super yummy as a dip in that. Or um, if you are using um, like a, a spinach and artichoke dip, pork rinds are fantastic and something like that. Pork rinds are fantastic and avocado uh, or um, guacamole, I mean, um, super good in that. So it just, it depends on what you're using. So experiment with those two, figure out, you know, what is it that you, you know, what are you eating on your tortilla chips and then figure out what tastes good in place of those tortilla chips with whatever the dip is that you're using. Um, salsa is really good on cucumbers. Like who knew? Makes sense, right? Like cucumbers are really good with tomatoes. At least I think they're really good with tomatoes. So um, using a cucumber, you know, putting some salsa on a cucumber is so yummy. And you're eliminating those those uh, grains, nasty grains, inflammatory grains, and carbohydrates that are in the tortillas. Um, okay, hamburger buns. Again, lettuce wraps. Uh, or you can just uh, eat the hamburger, you know, make your hamburger like you normally would, and you can just eat that like in a salad. Or another really fun thing that I love is I love using grilled portobello mushroom caps. So this is the full size portobello mushrooms. You can grill those either on the grill or you can broil them in the oven. Or if you have a grill pan, um, we like to do a lot of grill pan stuff inside in the winter. You can just grill them on that grill pan. So I like to rub mine all over with olive oil and then grill them a little salt and pepper. And if you have um, ones that are really big, you can cut them lengthwise or um, I don't know, is that the right way to say it? Width, widthwise, basically you just shave it, shave kind of the top of it off so that you have two um, pieces of one of the caps and then you can use those as the two buns, the bottom and top bun for your burger. Um, sometimes if you get the really big thick caps, you're like, how am I even gonna eat this thing? Because <laughs> you've got these two huge portobello mushrooms with your burger. Um, for myself, when I'm eating it like that, I can never eat more than half of the burger with two portobello mushroom caps. So just fair warning, you might wanna go ahead and cut it in half before you even get started. You can store the other half away for the next day. But <clears throat> I'm telling you, that is so much better than a hamburger bun ever was. <laughs> so really, it's just kind of retraining your brain and how you think about eating foods like this. Okay, um, French fries. So you can roast turnips um, or sweet potatoes. So I know a lot of you are probably like, whoa, wait a minute, I thought this was keto. Um, so everybody does keto different. There really are not, uh, you know, keto foods. There's just food. And for some people having sweet potatoes is fine. Um, I haven't had any in a while, but I do have some higher carb days throughout the week. And some people just kind of can do higher carb in general. You may be sticking to 20 carbs a day, uh, in order to produce ketones, but some people are able to produce ketones just fine on 50 to hundred grams of carbs a day. Um, I think as you become more metabolically flexible, the longer you've been at this, the better your body is at switching back and forth with these fuel sources um, between glucose and fat and is really able to um, get really good and uh, really metabolically flexible at this. So, um, so don't freak out. Uh, you can do sweet potatoes. Some people can do sweet potatoes. You just have to figure out if it works for you. Um, lasagna noodles. So there's a lot of options for lasagna noodles. There's zucchini, eggplant. You know, you shave zucchini. You can shave eggplant. 
Um, and I really like to make it using chicken lunch meat slices as the noodles. So good. You get this amazing high protein meal, high fat meal. So good. Um, so filling, so satiating. My husband, my kids, everybody loves it. So um, realistically, it's just replacing the noodles with chicken lunch meat slices. I mean, it's really that simple. Um, mac and cheese, instead of mac and cheese, you could do loaded cauliflower. So um, you could have like a cauliflower, you can do it two ways. You could either mash it and do like loaded mashed cauliflower, or you can just do um, like uh, loaded cauliflower florets. So you have the florets and then you just load it with the cheese and bacon and chives and sour cream and everything. And oh my gosh, it's so yummy. Or just do cheesy cauliflower. So you can also, again, have the florets and you just um, are able to melt cheese all over that. Basically, you can do it just like you would do a macaroni and cheese recipe. You're just using cauliflower instead and you bake it in the oven the same way. Um, okay, so rice noodle noodles or chow mein noodles, if you're making like some oriental dishes, you can use the shirataki noodles. Those are zero carb. They're so yummy. You will not notice the difference. Um, tortillas, oh, we already went over to, oh, tortillas is in like, um, if you're making like enchiladas, things like that, you again can use lunch meat, chicken lunch meat. It will be nearly flavorless. Like you won't, it won't, you, you do, it doesn't taste like you're eating, um, chicken. Um, but you will, which is why you do that instead of using like Turkey. Although you could, if you like the taste of Turkey, you could certainly do that or ham or whatever. But, um, but you can, like, if you're making a pan of like enchiladas and like a cream sauce or whatever, like I have this amazing creamy chicken enchilada dish and I use the chicken lunch meat to wrap, um, instead of tortillas is how I wrap my enchiladas. So you can do that. You could also use um, just good sized lettuce leaves if you're doing like taco night or something like that, burrito night, and you wanna fill your leaves with that and then just eat those instead of eating the tortillas with tacos, you know, making tacos with tortillas. Um, potatoes and roasts and stews. So you don't have to be like, oh man, I can never make a roast or a stew again because I, you know, potatoes is a huge part of that you can use radishes. So when you cook radishes, they, uh, or roast them, uh, they don't taste like a radish. Instead, they actually have the look and feel of a potato. So that's a brilliant swap and so easy to do, and you will not miss the potatoes. Um, mashed potatoes, of course, mashed cauliflower. Um, for pasta, you can do zoodles or spaghetti squash. Now, spaghetti squash is gonna be a little bit higher in the carb count, but um, you know, unless you're eating a ton of them, you should probably be okay putting some of those into your routine here and there. We love spaghetti squash. It's super yummy. Um, again, you could use the shirataki noodles in a dish like that, like a normal pasta dish that you would eat. Um, for rice, you could just do cauliflowered rice or uh, riced cauliflower, I mean. That is so good and really you're not gonna note it. I mean, to me anyway, I don't, I mean, obviously it's not rice, but I don't miss rice when I use the, the uh, riced cauliflower, so good. Breadcrumbs, so for breadcrumbs, uh, depending on, again, the application, you can use ground pork rinds. So um, you can just take pork rinds and you know ground them up uh, like you would crackers or breadcrumbs or whatever. Um, you can do it like that. 
or you can use Parmesan cheese, grated Parmesan cheese. So depending on the recipe and if you're breading something or if you're adding it into something, um, however it is that you're using it, you could use one or both of those. Um, pizza, I would say the, my favorite way to do pizza is to do the fathead pizza recipe. Um, we usually do that once a week or once every two weeks we'll do fathead, we'll do pizza night and we make fathead pizzas and oh man, it's just so good. <laughs> it's so good and it's so filling and they're just, I don't miss regular pizza. Um, cocktail or beer. So if you're used to having cocktails or beer with friends or after work, um, you know, things, whatever, um, switch to red wine or do spirits over ice. So if you want to have some tequila on the rocks or some bourbon on the rocks, something like that, just try to have things where you are not um, you know, you're not doing cocktails anymore. You're not adding the sugary sweet stuff. Um, you're not adding the soda to your, um, to your drinks, that type of thing. And red wine, you know, you're about four grams of carbs per glass of red wine. So it's pretty, pretty easy, pretty simple, straightforward. Um, I would just try to stick to like one glass of those. And if you're starting out and your goal is weight loss and you're really trying to get into keto and do this stuff, I would probably avoid alcohol in the beginning. I would just kind of move away from it if possible or only do it on the weekends um, or one night a week, something like that. Um, you know, I pretty much have red wine every night with dinner. Um, that's just my husband and I, that's our thing. That's what we really enjoy with dinner. Um, but in the beginning, I didn't do that at all. I abstained from alcohol for like the first six months of my keto journey. So, um, and I think that really served me well and helped get me to where I am and just really allowed me and my body to concentrate on what I was doing and, um, you know, metabolically without having to worry about alcohol and processing that. Um, soda, if you're used to soda, I say Zevia. I don't drink it, but my kids do. They all love it. They've moved away from soda for the most part and they enjoy that. Um, fruit juice, I would say flavored water. That's probably the best way to be able to still, if you're really a fruit juice fan, you can still kind of get that same type of feeling, um, and taste with flavored water. Potato chips, I would say pork rinds, kale chips, or um, Parmesan crisps, of course. Um, crackers, cucumber slices, we talked about earlier. Pork rinds, Parmesan crisps, again, are amazing. Kale chips, um, croutons, Parmesan crisps, all the way. <laughs> and sugar, I would say um, stick to stevia, monk fruit, or erythritol. Um, find out what one of those work well for you, what you like, kind of experiment with that. And then just sweets in general, um, you know, if you're looking for chocolate, I would say Lily's chocolate is the best out there. In my opinion, you can buy store-bought, it's easy, tastes good, it's amazing. So I would say Lily's. And then the other options, um, there are so many really good keto recipes out there. You just have to be careful because you will find people that tell you things are keto. They put recipes out there, they call it keto, but they're really not they're really not watching the ingredients that are in there. And oftentimes the carbs are like, they may be better than the, you know, normal counterpart, but they're still not going to fall into, um, you know, maybe what you're trying to stick to or trying to stay under a certain amount of carbs or whatever. So you just have to be careful, you know, watch for keto recipes that have sugar or honey or molasses, or, you know, I've seen all the coconut sugar, I've seen all that stuff. And, um, those, those are not keto 
friendly things to eat. So um, you're just not going to get the results that you're looking for if you're adding those types of things into your diet. Okay, so um, that's pretty much it for the keto swaps. And then I had a list um, also of some kind of low carb shopping list that I like to share with um, clients. So I get a lot of questions about this. So go ahead and um, kind of share some of these with you. So veggies and fruits, I'm not gonna go over this whole list of everything that's on the low carb shopping list, but I do wanna go over veggies and fruits. So I do recommend that you buy organic, local and in season when at all possible. Um, but those veggies would be like cauliflower, broccoli, cabbage, bell peppers, cucumbers, lettuce, radishes, mushrooms, onions, garlic, sprout, spaghetti squash, summer squash, zucchini, eggplants, and pretty much all leafy greens, um, spinach, arugula, kale, collards, all that type of thing. <clears throat> those are kind of my favorite go-to list of here, if you're going low carb, here's what I would do, here's what I would stick to. For the fruits, I would stick to avocados, blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, strawberries, and tomatoes. And some of those things may not fit for you. You know, if you're tracking macros and, um, you know, or, or you're, if you're tracking blood sugar, you may notice you eat one of any of those things I just mentioned and you have blood sugar spikes or they're not fitting within your macros. You're not able to keep your, um, carbohydrates low enough for you to be able to stay in ketosis. So that's fine, but you have to figure those things out. But in general, those are the things that I would, um, recommend for you to be able to do. Um, and then oils and cooking fats, that's always something that comes up. And I have a complete list that I typically share with my clients um, and that I give during um, educational seminars and things like that. But the kind of the short list is avocado oil, olive oil, ghee, coconut oil, um, butter, bacon lard or bacon fat, and beef tallow. Those are kind of the main players that I usually tell people this is, I mean, you can pretty much do everything and anything you want if you keep these, if you just use these fats. Um, they're gonna serve every purpose that you need them to serve. So, um, okay guys, I think that's really it for this week. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Um, we did end up going to about an hour, so that's good. So it wasn't as short as I thought it was gonna be. Of course, it never is, because I just keep talking. Um, but I think that, that hopefully gave you guys some good information that you can use and can help you guys on your keto journey and help you on your healing um, and those types of things. If you're uh, you know, looking at bone broth as maybe being able to help you in some of those amazing areas that we shared. Um, so I guess that's all I have for this week. And I will, I believe I'll be sharing an, um, an interview with you next week. Uh, I have a couple in the wings and I believe one of those is what I'm going to share with you next week since I will just be returning from Portland when it's time to get the next episode out. All right, guys, have a great week and I look forward to talking with you again soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed what we shared with you today and are looking forward to the next episode.